Southern Soul Livestream is a weekly talk show and music hangout where the hosts learn your name and just might remind you of a favorite relative. We spotlight fascinating people, discuss current events, and pay special attention to lifting up generations. So if you want to know more, learn more, be more, or just be, Southern Soul Livestream is the place for you. Join us every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Just log on, kick back, and experience the eclectic vibe. Check us out at soullivestream.com. Alrighty, so I'm going to tell you about the show today um, because I will tell you um, there are two young ladies, Hadiza and Asil, that are going to be joining us today. And the way we met them was several, probably about two months ago, I was doing some work with Tim Johnson, who has also joined us here. And Tim is the president of Communities and Schools of athens Clark County. And I was doing a board retreat for, for Tim and the board of directors. And he told me that there were two young ladies that actually served on their board of directors. And he encouraged me to get in touch with them just so I could get some perspective from them um, about the kind of things that they wanted to see the board of directors um, actually do. And so I thought I'd have a quick conversation with them. And I am here to tell you that those, those two young ladies um, participated in the, in the retreat and they absolutely stole all the glory of the retreat from me. Um, they were the absolute stars of the retreat and just absolutely um, charismatic and inspirational and everything else. There were about 20 board members there and they were phenomenal. They were without question, um, in my opinion, the best board members there. So with that, I'd like to turn over this show to Calvin, to Daddy Rich and um, let him go ahead and interview our two young ladies. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Katie. Thank you very much for giving us an uh, introduction. Thank you for also the icebreaker. Timika, if you don't mind making sure that we're spotlighted so we um, and that everyone else is muted, that would be perfect. And I'm going to make sure that I did what I said I was going to do, which was hit record. So uh, we have a nice uh, recording of this conversation with our guests tonight, Asil and Hadiza. What's up, ladies? Hello. How are you tonight? Hello. Thank you so much for being I'm doing here. Wow, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, um, I was at that meeting, right, that Katie was referring to, and I was like, "You guys have like this cool factor." I'm like, I was a little offended, right, because I'm like, "Why are they acting so cool? Like, yeah, we got this. We're just gonna tell y'all how to roll, and if y'all got any questions, just check with us, right?" I mean, t- tell me, tell me the story, right? How did you guys get into? Um, what you're doing. Well, well, just give us a backdrop. When you guys got that request from Katie, what went through your mind and what do you do? Tell us about the project that you did. So um, we got the email from Katie and we we knew we were going to be in the board of directors, but we didn't know what our tasks would be exactly. And so this was kind of like the icebreaker of what we were going to do as board members in Family Connections Communities and Schools. So she basically emailed us and told us, hey, just give us like a few suggestions of what we would change in each of these um, in elementary, middle, and high schools. But instead of giving our suggestions, we actually went to the people themselves. So we um, 
we met up with um, mainly middle school student, middle school teachers and high school teachers. We basically asked them like, hey, can your students tell us what they loved about um, these grades and what they wished it would change about these grades? And they gave us all the d- data we needed. And so we basically did a, like a mini field research and got their answers instead of just relying on ours. Um, and then we were able to use that to um, take it to the retreat and give them our take on the amendments that need to be made in each um, grade level. Awesome. Awesome. You know, I, I love that story, Hadiza, because as I sit there and I watch you guys, you know, present, I was amazed. And I'll tell you why is I was like, you know, these ladies are obviously in high school, right? 12th grade but you're already kind of doing like this PhD type of research and getting to this level of detail, right? I mean, did you guys know you were doing that? Did you have like some other projects or something where you were, had done that type of research? What really made you guys really want to go deeper, right? I like how Katie described it. She says, you know, they went beyond the call of duty. I asked them for this much and they gave me so much more. Like, where did that come from? Like, what, what was in you guys that made you guys want to do that? Well, I think me and yeah, I think me and Hadiza have always been kind of that duo that kind of takes it to the next level, and it's just it's not the planning that we do this during like most of our plannings. We just kind of go over the top because of our perfectionist like uh, mentality. But um, I think definitely talking to people is one of our strong suits, and having conversations is something we do like every day in school. So this was just something easy that we could like put out and have a conversation about. So how many people did you guys kind of poll and talk to? So it was um, three classrooms in, I think, middle school. So each of those classrooms probably have like 20 people each. So about 60 middle schoolers. And they gave us their take about elementary school as well because they're still little kids. And then we had, um, I think, three classes in high school as well. And those were about the same class sizes. So basically like 120 people in school. Wow, 120 people. But so what did you find, right? Because, you know, for many of us, it's been a long time since we were in high school, right? So, you know, and I I recall that's kind of being the backdrop, right? Why Katie wanted you guys to be involved. So, you know, it's been literally a while. So we're like, okay, what's important? What did you guys find when you did that work, that research? Yeah, so um, as we said, we did elementary school, middle school, and high school. Um, When we went to interview the middle schoolers about what they would have wanted to change in elementary school, a lot of them were saying smaller class sizes, um, more field trips and academic competitions. And then they also said um, introduction to foreign language in elementary school because a lot of schools in other countries do that. So I think it would be more effective in the middle schoolers thought so as well. Yes, yes, indeed. And so were you guys surprised by this or was it because... You know, this is stuff that you kind of typically heard. What new kind of jumped out at you all? Uh, We weren't necessarily surprised. Um, This was kind of like the same stuff that we wanted as well when we were in middle school, Mm -hmm. I'm in elementary school. But we we liked that we heard it from them. But at the same time, it was a bittersweet type of moment Mm -hmm. because it's like then that means that from us being in elementary school to them being in elementary school, not much has changed, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like the sad thing about our district is that change comes with a lot of push. And it's not just us talking. It has to be 
us and the people that come after us and the people that come after us and the people that come after us. So I think coming to that realization that, hey, they're making the same complaints that we have and they're seeking the same amendments that we sought. Um, how can we make sure that from now on, students, when they want things to change within their school, it comes faster than just waiting years, you know? So how can we effectively um, bring academic enrichment and academic progress to the school? Well, thank you for that. You know, I mean, that, that actually is an interesting thing that you've said, just the concept of, hey, you know, this is the same stuff that we were concerned about and things hadn't changed. So thank you for pulling that together because I know that research, that exercise will really serve you. Um, I was in a session today. They talked about micro internships, right? And I hadn't heard the term before, but I liked it, right? The old fashioned internship, you go and you spend a whole summer, but these micro, they're just more about like individual projects, right? So I would definitely consider that activity as a type of micro internship especially the work that you're doing with communities and schools. But let's talk about this, right? Your origin story. Like when, when I see you guys, I'm like, oh, these guys, I, I think they're the cool kids, right? I, I think you're pretty cool, right? So I'm like, they're the cool kids. But, you know, have you guys always been this way? Like how did, you know, you know, get inspired to be so, you know, academically focused? I mean, you get it from your, your siblings, from your parents. What's your origin story? Tell us about that. Like where you're from, you know, where you grew up and things like that. Yeah, so my parents came to Athens, Georgia in the 1990s. My dad was here for his PhD. Um, he is a parasitologist now. He brought my mom over um, when they got married. And they had all their kids here. They had my older brother and my older sister here. And then they had me here. So I've been living in Athens, Clark County, basically my whole life. Um, but I think what's really driven me um, to be academically focused is just kind of a thing I feel like with immigrant parents, like they've worked so hard. So then you don't want to let them down. So you set high standards for yourself. So I feel like I've set high standards for myself more than my parents setting high standards onto me. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Hadiza? Uh, so um, it's similar to Seal's story. So my dad came here first in 2000. And six actually and he worked at UGA for a while and then he brought my mom here in around 2010 and then um, we came, me and my two sisters came in 2012 so I wasn't born here and I've kind of just had my own immigrant story of not like being a, like a natural born citizen and stuff like that but I've still managed to kind of like build myself up so as for myself I'm like I've seen what it is like on the other side of the world and I've seen the lack of opportunities, so I need to take advantage of what I have here and what I have now. So that's kind of my mentality when it comes to excelling academically or being really active in my community. It's like I've seen the other side of things, and so I'm able to appreciate what I have here and able to optimize on the opportunities that I have here as well. Wow, very, very self-driven, because well, I'm hearing a little bit of both, right? I'm hearing someone's family but it's also internal driven as well. You know, one thing I love about your story is that, you know, this, I always say, you know, the seal Hadiza, and I kind of see you guys as a tag team, right? You know, just like this one, two punch. Right. And I think Hadiza, you were telling me that whenever you guys do an assignment together, you always knock it out. Right. I mean, but 
one thing I loved also about your story is that you guys weren't always like cool. You weren't always friends. Would you guys like to tell us how y'all met and you know if there was like any drama in the beginning? Like, give us the juicy part, right? <laughs> um, there was definitely a little bit of drama. <laughs> um, but basically, um, Hadiza and I, we went to the same mosque. We grew up around each other, you know. We kind of just passed each other, even though we were the same age and we saw each other at school all the time. Like, we never talked to each other. Um, but in seventh grade, we took a field trip in science and energy team. And we went to Atlanta. And we would just be laughing, like, all the time. And I think we had this thing where the girls came into, like, one room and we all played, like, a little truth or dare circle, um, that kind of thing. And then me and Hadiza kind of, like, clicked and we became really close when we got to high school and we had more classes together and we had more opportunities that we were able to collab on together. Awesome. Yeah, and I'd just to like that? to add, like, we always talk about, we're like, so why weren't we friends? Like, there was no, like, animosity. Like, there was nothing there, but it was just like we just never crossed paths. And so we were forced to in that little hotel room in Atlanta. Awesome. You know, Thanks for sharing that, because one of the things that I love about that story is that sometimes people are like, oh, the kids who like excel or do things differently, you know, there's something supernaturally differently. But that story, I love it because I'm like, wait, they're kind of like everyday girls at the same time. Right. I mean, what do you think? You think you guys are kind of, you know, cool kids, but you're kind of, you know, nerds, too. I mean, what, what's your thoughts? Uh, I would say we're more nerds than cool kids. Uh, oh, I think nerds. you're the only person that thinks we're like cool if people at school heard that, they'll probably like, uh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely not the cool kids. Okay. How about creating change and activism, right? Um, Asil, you have an awesome story of when you first started, you know, getting into activism. You know, I've heard that you, you know, organized some sort of, you know, um, march or something like that. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I've always been kind of like, the really outgoing loud kid in middle school um and in 2018 I think I was in eighth grade um the Parkland shooting had just happened and a lot of schools were doing walkouts so I decided uh to help organize one me and my friends we kind of co-organized it and um we just had a walkout we all had speeches written we all set some speeches out on the back lawn and then everybody just kind of dispersed and ever since then I've just been kind of really about bringing people together and talking about change. Awesome. Thank you. So how did you feel like um, doing that? Were you excited? Were you nervous? Were you angry? Like, I mean, there's, there's been a lot going on with that type of stuff, right? Like, what, what were your feelings and emotions at that time? Did you feel like you just had to, a responsibility? You feel like it's the right time? I mean, what did you go through? I think it was definitely um, frustration and as well as nervousness, like when I got up there, I was like really shaking when I started doing my speech. But then I felt like really empowered. And I was like, whoa, like I can do this like just with words. And a lot of people were giving me feedback like after and were like, wow, like that's awesome. Like you should take that to the board. Um, teachers were telling me that. And I was like, like, wow, that's that's something I want to feel like all the time. Awesome. You know, and I know when we were talking earlier, you told me your story is that you always the outspoken one. Have you ever gotten in trouble for being outspoken? 
Yes, a lot more in middle school. Um, I would talk a lot, um, try and make people laugh a lot. And um, I would get in trouble. Definitely parent-teacher conferences. My parents were always on me about talking too much in class. You know, I'm only laughing because that reminds me of me, right? And I don't even know, you know, what to say other than it sounds like you found a way to channel that energy, uh, I would hope. How about you, Hadiza? Do you um, recall when you first, you know, got that feeling for activism and change? Do you consider yourself an activist or do you consider yourself, you know, motivated by change? Or, like, what's your story? Uh, I wouldn't say I had, like, a clear-cut, like, um, of me just being an activist. It was more so just I I would say it'd be, like, a journey because I used to always be a watcher. Like, I would watch with the things that are happening. I'd make slight comments, but then it's like I try to push it back. Um, but in high school, that's when I kind of decided to, you know, like, be more upfront about how I feel about things. So I started it off as, like, environmental activism in a way where I kind of just spoke about like how I felt about the environment and things like that joined um, a club called outdoor club and that's where we do like trash pickups and all this stuff and it just put into perspective for me like how we deplete the earth that is like home to all of us and how we take advantage of everything how we take advantage of riding all these like cars that are putting all these em emissions and stuff atmosphere and all those things like and taking environment um, AP environmental science as well put all that into perspective for me. So I think me, I can't say that I have like a clear activist journey. I think the more I learn, the more I learn to be outspoken about the things that I really care about. So that's what it's been for me. So I hope that when I get into college and take more ecology courses or take just more political science courses, anthropology, and just learn about who we are as people and where we come from and what we do, I think the more I do that, the more I will become an activist. So. Well, thank you for sharing that, because, you know, I think that's kind of what most people go through is what you've kind of talked about. Right. I mean, I was talking to someone recently and it was like, yeah, uh, I'm turning, you know, 45. I think I'm going to finally grow up. I mean, you, you never want it to happen. Right. But, you know, I, I like your story because it just reminds me of, you know, what real looks like, right? So so that's pretty cool. So let's do something fun. I'm calling it a round robin. I don't know. Katie created this phrase, but we're just going to kind of do uh, this or that. Who is more likely, Asil or Hadiza, to be into conscious rap music or crime podcasts? And tell us why. I think I'm conscious rap music. Ah. And Hadiza's more podcasts, crime podcasts. Oh, yeah. But well, I Go ahead. Yeah, I'd say I'm more conscious of rap music just because, like, my siblings growing up, you know, they're 90s babies kind of all up in the little rap world. Um, growing up around them, they kind of, like, played a lot of J. Cole, Kanye, Kendrick, all of that. So I've just kind of, growing up around it, that's kind of what I listen to now. Awesome. Hadiza, you can do the next one. Folk music or Kendrick Lamar? Uh, I'm folk music. I, I'm i not really into, like, things that are just jumping in my ears. I wear AirPods a lot, so, like, if it's so loud, I get scared, so I can't do that. I like wholesome music, and I may not, <laughs> I don't know, that might seem, like, really just cheesy. But, like, hall, like if you put a Hallmark soundtrack or, like, a romance movie soundtrack, that's probably something that I would listen to. Awesome. What What is folk music? I don't even know what that is anymore. Is it like backport music? 
I think in North Carolina we got backport music. Is it backport? Backport? No, not like that. It's more like it's more like I don't know. I can't sing, so I can't sing it for you. And don't ask. I'm not doing it. <laughs> but um, if you look up the um, if you look up the group Sleep at Last okay. and listen to their Enneagram or Atlas album, that's folk music. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I'll, I'll kind of get my music game up, and I'm gonna check those out. Okay, next one is Seal. Um, who is more likely to have a celebrity role model or a community role model? Um, I feel like we're both kind of community role model, but um, I would say more community role model for me because just like being so indulged in the Athens community, um, it's easy to look up to people like around me. And also, I don't, I'm not really a big social media person. So like, I don't really keep up with celebrities or any of that. Okay, thank you. Let's see. Um, one last one. Let's see. Uh, procrastinator or likely to finish early? Uh-oh. Okay, so I guess Venus did have different um, versions of procrastinating. Oh. So she says she's the one that's more likely to just wait till, like, the last day of the assignment to actually get started. But for me, I would rather... I, like, start the assignment really strong. Like, I'll do the first, like, the top 80% of the assignment, and then I'll wait, like, until, like, the last hour to do the rest. That's, that's, I'm that type of procrastinator. Awesome. You know, uh, I had a study uh, buddy at, um, in college, and it was so funny because I would always have to work, like, you know, twice as hard, and then he would do the last part. But it worked out, right, as a team. So I'm pretty sure that also helps you guys, you know, work together, right? You start with the first 80% and then a seal probably <laughs> wraps it up. And my buddy was like, did you turn in that assignment? I'm like, yes, dude, we got an A, go away, right? So he didn't even know what the grade was, but that actually sounds cool for your tag team approach too. Let's talk about, let's transition a little bit. Let's talk about the theme of tonight's show. Community secession planning. Like that word, like what, what does it mean to you? And, you know, when we say that, because, you know, in really, you know, talking about this show tonight, Katie and I really thought deeply about this. And we're like, you know, we want to make the theme community succession planning. What does it mean to you? And more specifically, how do you plan to, you know, use community succession planning in the work you do with the Athens, you know, board in addition to your youth community? Cecile, you want to go? Yes. Okay, I can, I can, yeah. Um, so community succession planning, um, the first thing we kind of thought of was our involvement in the Family Connections Board. And um, like you guys were saying, we went to the board retreat and we were able to do all this field research around um, like the east side community of Athens, basically kind of focused on that. And we came up with this idea of having a youth committee, a youth committee in Athens and uh, essentially, it would be a committee, a committee of uh, diverse youth, and basically, they would all represent Athens, Clark County, and kind of like how we did a survey for through the eyes of students, we would do kind of like a survey for the youth committee to see like what the youth committee would focus on, but it would be more conversation based. So, for example, we would go to a middle school classroom and everybody would have to write down a number and we'd do a, some kind of random number generator and we'd pull a focus group and we'd have a conversation with them about like what they'd want to change and we'd do that with like every single middle school and every single elementary school and every single high school 
And there we'd get our field research and we'd make kind of like a plan of what we'd want the youth committee to focus on. And then we'd have interviews and we'd pick the people for the youth committee. Awesome. Awesome. Hadiza, I'm going to give you a chance to speak on that. Thank you, Asil. Um You guys are going off to college next year, right? So, you know, you'll be doing something else. So I've heard you guys talk about, you know, making sure that the youth committee continues after you guys go off to college and things. So what are your plans there? How do you plan to make sure that you, you know, constantly have strong community leaders, you know, youth, you know, filling in behind you guys? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Asila and I are so rooted in like Athens and its community, and I don't think we're gonna let go too easily. Like, we're not just gonna give the reins to somebody else without us like putting in our precedence and um, like letting their the tradition of the youth community be a community that um, makes change. So we're definitely gonna work on getting some things together before we just hand it off to other youth but we're hoping that with the youth committee and the people that we do gather that there are like prominent leaders that are hungry for the position to take over or have a different strategy than us and it's always I think it's always going to be somebody that has a different way of doing things than we do like if they don't think surveys or focus groups are the way to do it then what can they implement that we that we haven't done? Because we can't have the same people that come in and do the same exact thing expecting the same change. Because if we have that, then we're going to have years and years and years of us doing the same thing with a changing community. So I think with the youth committee, it has to be a changing youth committee every single time. Now, I say that, but I think what scares me in a seal is like, this is, this is going to be our little baby. So I don't want to give it to somebody and then they completely like renovate it or change it and then it doesn't do anything and it falls apart and I think that's what happens a lot with student-led groups in Athens is that they start off so strong and then they just fall apart once they're in the hands of somebody else or the person that was taking care of it left so that's something that we're trying not to happen at with the youth committee and we're trying to see what we can do to sustain and have longevity within the committee. Awesome. OMG. Uh, I'm looking at Katie right now and she's just over there just clapping her hands, having a great time because she like, mm hmm, amen. She might as well be in church right now. Y'all ought to see her face. So let's talk about two more questions. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn it over to KD. And what she's going to do is she's brought some awesome leaders that she's going to um, bring in. And these are, you know, presidents of various, you know, CIS organizations and things like that. And we're going to ask them the same questions. And the good news is that you guys already asked the answer to hard. So hopefully they don't try to, you know, steal your answers. But we'll see what happens when they come up next. Right. So let's talk about this. This is a sticky part. Right. You guys are coming up. Right. Your youth. Right. It's like you're it, it's your turn. Right. Do you feel that adults are in the way or are they giving you guys the resources, the support you need to do the things you need, the change you need, the support? Do you feel like you're being heard? You know, what are some things, you know, um, and this is kind of a, a long question, but, you know, well, I'm going to pause that one. But let's just talk about are adults in your way? Do you feel like adults need to get out of your way or have they been helpful? Tell us about that. I feel like adults have definitely been in our way in good and bad ways um of course um especially looking at school um educators i feel like a lot of times um they kind of render our growth mindset in a way um so like if we fail something then we just fail and it's that and it's 
failure is looked at so negatively. Whereas instead of like helping us or like uplifting us to get us right back on track, they kind of just leave us there to like fail and try and last minute try and get all our grades in at the end of the semester. Well, thank you, Asil. Adiza, anything you'd like to add to that? What are adults doing? Yeah. What's your observation? Are we getting in your way? Or are we being supportive? And give us some example, a great example, Asil. Yeah, and uh, I would just like to add to Asil's example. And there are teachers that kind of let us fail and then try to catch us towards the end and be like, oh, well, I gave you this opportunity, so you should have took it at the end of semester when you definitely have finals and things going on in your life that are um, getting in the way of that opportunity. But then there's also teachers that cushion the, the assignments, cushion the projects so much. They're limiting your creativity, creativity. They're limiting the way you learn. And so you're only seeing it life through one lens. You're only seeing assignments and class through one lens that when it's time for you to be out there and do the things that you need to do to change or to succeed, you don't know how to because you're so used to just having this narrow way of living. And so that's one of, I think, the more dangerous things because it's so constricting that you don't realize that you're being like hugged until you feel like your shoulders are breaking and you're like, you can't breathe basically. And that and that can't breathe um, effect happens when you're graduated and you're like, okay, well, my life is whatever I, it can be, whatever I want it to be, you know? So I think sometimes high school, it doesn't allow us to expand ourselves and to be free and to be creative. And I think teachers and the people that we meet um, that are older than us, they are so quick to put us in boxes. You know, if you're talking a little too much, okay, she's talking, she talks a whole lot. Let me just shut her up and figure out how to overwhelm her so much that she doesn't talk. But instead of thinking that way, they should start thinking like, hey, she talks a lot. Let me channel that energy into something that's actually really productive for her. If she talks a lot, maybe journalism might be her thing. Let me... Uh, let her talk to my journalist friend. You know, I think a lot of adults, um, sometimes they withhold their connections a lot. And it's like, we're already a disadvantaged community, you know? Why don't you really connect these kids to people that are going to help them succeed? If you know this guy's, like, dresses really well and he knows his style, he knows his fashion, and you have a friend that's a fashion designer or you have a friend that went to fashion school. Why don't you connect these people? Um, if you know that you're, you know, just things like that, like like par um, parents and sometimes um, teachers and educators, they see the bad traits of us so quickly that they don't realize that they could channel those traits into actual professions and they can connect us to the people that they know so that we can be successful at the end of the day. So I think the best of adults that I've seen that have allowed me to be great are the people that celebrate me, uplift me, connect me to others and allow me to flourish. So I think if adults want to be actually like productive in our change they just need to do those things wow and that requires a omg thank you asil thank you adiza 
One last question, and I know that the audience is going to have some questions for you guys, so I'm going to get out of the way. But, you know, I skipped the part where I asked you guys about your academic achievements, but this is a great segue for that. So what's next for you guys? It seems like you guys, you know, really connected to the Athens community. I'm feeling like a little UGA is going to have to step up their game. But, you know, what's what's going on with you guys? What's next? Business ownership, corporate travel, community activism. What's next for Hasil? What's next for Adiza? Hasil, you first. Um, definitely college. I've been applying around trying to see where I would get in. But as Hadiza said, I'm kind of rooted in Athens, so I feel like I'll probably stay here for the next four years. Um, I've been kind of thinking medical, but lately I've kind of got the teacher bug, so maybe I'll be an educator. Um, I think that would help a lot with what I want to do um, with reforming the education system. So that's definitely something I want to look into, um, as well as traveling. If I'm going to stay in Athens, I, w- I want to travel a whole lot. So hopefully some kind of a broad program um, so I can have a balance of both. Awesome. Thank you, Hasil. Um, Hadiza, what's next for you? Yeah, so I want to work in healthcare. Um, I feel like Maybe if I just tone down my meanness just a little bit, I'll probably be able to fit into that industry. I've just always wanted to be in healthcare. So um, I I don't know yet. I don't know if I'm going to UGA. I don't know if I'm going anywhere. I'm just waiting on acceptances right now. I'm in that gray phase of senior year where you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know where, where I'm going, but... I did my part, you know, so that's what we're waiting on. It's all, all everything is tentative right now. Um, as far as my major, I would like to major in health promotion. And then I'm also working towards hopefully getting a surgical technologist um, associate's degree at some sort of institution um, locally. And then that way I can also start working as I'm a bachelor, as I am in my bachelor's degree and hopefully get experience and see if this is actually really my niche once I get firsthand experience. Um, as well as the seal, I would love to travel, especially if I end up staying in Athens. I don't want to, you know, stay in this same like area. I want to uh, see the world and see the things that um, were meant for me to see. So, yeah, traveling is definitely within my vision for the next four years. Um, I'm not sure about business ownership yet, but I do want to own some type of online platform. So I don't know if that's entrepreneurial, but maybe like a podcast. I don't know, Calvin, you might be rubbing off on me a little bit or a vlog or, you know, some type of online platform where I could share a little bit of my ideas and things like that. Cause I got a little too much up here. So it's getting a little inflated. So I need to let it out somewhere. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. You know, that actually is a good sign. Um, what people don't realize is they're like, how do you come up with all these ideas and shows? I'm like, it's all in my brain. And the podcast is a way for me to get it out. Right. So I, I was actually chatting with KD about this. We saw like this sponsorship, um, for, um, um, high schoolers to start their own podcast and buy their, um, equipment and things like that. It was a grant. So I love the concept, and I would love to see you guys in CIS Athens start a podcast, and I will be definitely there to support you guys and help you get going. But let me get out of the way. KD, can I say OMG? I'm sitting here. I need a tissue or something because they they sitting here get me all emotional and my feelings thinking about life and who I want to be when I grow up. I ain't even grown yet, right? But KD, what do you have for us? What's next? Anything you want to say to wrap us up? 
So I do. I, I'd love to thank Asil and Hadiza. The two of you are um, just as phenomenal today as you were the first day that I talked with you and certainly the first time I met you. So I want to thank you very, very much for, for being with us today. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to segue a little bit. Um, I would like to spotlight the person that actually introduced us to Asil and Hadiza. And that is Tim Johnson. Um, Tim Johnson is the executive director of the Family Connections Communities and Schools um, affiliate that is in Athens, Georgia in Clark County. And Tim um, is, I'd like to ask Tim just to talk with us a little bit about why it is that you all decided to add a seal and Hadiza to your board of directors. Um. Well, you just heard them, so that gives you a pretty good idea. Well, we weren't them on our board, but we are, um, you know, we work to support students being successful in school and in life. And we have lots of experts who are involved, people from the University of Georgia, people from communities and schools of Georgia, national communities and schools, um, from the schools themselves and various community partners. But the most expert people about students are students. <laughs> and so we said, well, we need students to be part of this process. And through a partnership with Johnson & Johnson and CIS of Georgia and our school district and some others, we have this project at Cedar Shoals High School called Bridge to Employment, which is working with a cohort of students um, to kind of expose them to what Johnson calls STEM Square D careers, the science, technology, engineering, mathematics, manufacturing, and design. And that's how I was blessed to meet these two remarkable young women because they're part of Bridge to Employment. And that first year, um, Johnson Johnson invited Bridge to Employment students from all over the world. And this is a program that's on almost every continent, not Antarctica, but pretty much everywhere else, but invited students to be what they call student ambassadors in the program. And they had hundreds of applications, literally hundreds of applications from all over the world. They selected 13 out of these hundreds from all over the world. Hadiza and Asil were two of those 13. And so they got involved with that, and there were all kinds of rave reviews. And I said, well, we need them to be helping us guide what we're doing with Bridge to Employment here. And they joined the steering committee for that group. And... That's a committee of professionals who are looking at well, what's the best way to expose kids to STEM square D careers. And they literally are the stars within that steering committee and by far the most listened to by everybody else in the group. And so then when the board, our board of directors was saying, well, we really need high school voices on our board. And I said, well, I know the two that I would love to see. And so they joined, and it was fairly recent. That retreat that you facilitated was their first real um, deep dive. But when we had new board members, there's a question that they fill out. One of the questions is, which committee would you like to work on? Because most board work happens in committees. And so they had all these choices of committees. And they both wrote this thing together that says, we want to create a new committee. <laughs> we want a youth committee for our community, and we want that committee to tell all your other committees as well as the schools and everybody else um, to bring the youth voice. And um, we said, well, that sounds awesome. And so then the idea came of, well, why don't you present it to the full board at the retreat? And here we are. Here we so, are. 
And, and yeah, they're so modest, but they are truly brilliant, remarkable young leaders. They are. And, and Tim, you know, again, thank you so much um, for inviting us to join you at that retreat and really for, you know, really taking the, and it's not even a risk, right? When you have young people that are as brilliant as Asil and Hadiza are and that have you know, demonstrated the kind of, I guess, the kind of academic acumen and just the, the care about their community, it's not a hard choice to decide to add them to the board of directors, is it? Oh, it's... It's a great benefit to the board and to me as the executive director. So, yes. <laughs> so thanks again, Tim. I thank to... you. And thank you for introducing us to Calvin as well. Oh, of course. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me, um, I'm, I want to highlight a colleague of yours um, by the name of Carol Lewis. And Carol Lewis is actually the Communities and Schools, the president of Communities and Schools of Georgia. And I, I think Tim and Carol have known each other. How many years, Tim? Can, can you hazard a guess? Oh, she's too young for me to so say how many years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm going to say it's been at least 15 years. That's what I'm going to say. Is that fair? Oh, at least. <laughs> at least. So, so this is Carol Lewis. And Carol, thank you so much. She is joining us from her car because, as I said earlier, she has been in traffic. Um, Carol, talk with us about, you know, number one, Carol provides support for communities and schools affiliates across the state of Georgia. And Carol, we'd love to hear from you a little bit about where do you see community leaders, where else, other than, you know, Tim in Athens, where else do you see community leaders really effectively engaging young people um, in a way that's really going to prepare them for leadership in our communities? Um, thank you, and thank you so much for Tim. I'm just so impressed with your your um, board members. Um, but thank you for um, just having this part of this conversation. I apologize that I am on the road still. Exit <laughs> uh, 61. I'll have to get to exit 18. But um, a couple of things that I think that that our community leaders can do for our young people is one is to value their voice. Mm. Um, I think so, so many times we, as you know, my being a, a woman of a certain age, I think I have all the answers, mm. but there are uh, opportunities for us to hear what our children have to say, what our young people have to say. Um, and I'll give you a prime example. As adults, we thought, well, we're going to start this, this wonderful, uh, um, public uh, community health clinic and we're going to put it in the mall where you know kids hang out and it's going to be great and, and because they're in the mall all the time walking around and they're and when we asked the students what do you think about this and they're like would you use it and they said absolutely not <laughs> and I said why not it's, in, it's where you hang out he said that's the very reason why we wouldn't use it it's because it's where we hang out <laughs> and it was but it's such a good idea we thought of it oh my goodness heaven forbid uh, but sometimes we need to value that voice and bring, making sure there's a safe place and safe space for our children to um, to tell us what, and for us to listen, be open to listen and willing to listen. That's always sometimes so hard and so difficult for adults to do. Um, and the students that we work with, the majority of the students we work with, with communities and schools um, are sometimes challenged with that voice. 
they're challenged because, um, you know, people have, have discounted that voice. So it's also helping them build that confidence and giving them safe spaces and safe places so that, um, that you know, they can test their wings. And I use um, uh, an example of young men in True County that are part of a, uh, a group that these are young men who are identified, they were recruited, heavily recruited for gang involvement. They're middle schoolers mm. who have, have moved from being, um, you know, expected to be that statistic to now being that school leader who um, are uh, the ones who make change, totally change the culture of their school. But they started in sixth grade of giving them a place to belong and a place, a safe place to to grow that confidence that they can stand in front of a group, they can talk, they can educate themselves, they can have, they can, uh, they would even police each other. <laughs> kind of like, oh, you know, you need to be in school, you're not, you know, you missed so many days or whatever. Whatever it was, they, they set a different culture for themselves. It's giving that opportunity and then putting them out there in safe environments and knowing that they can always fall back on support but you are not always driving the message. You're giving them this, helping them develop the skills, but not driving the message. And I think that's so important for adults to learn is to get out of our kids' way sometimes. Um, and I know the, the young ladies that spoke earlier uh, were, were saying the same thing. They don't want you to tell them what to do. They just want you to value what they have to say and um, and give them the space to, to be and then help them, don't just let them fall Carol, thank you. That those are those are such amazing words of wisdom, right? You started with value their voices, um, and then you said, you know, giving them a place to belong, um, because the young men that you were talking about, they went from being a statistic really to being leaders, and that's what happens with our young people when we do um, give them an opportunity to actually speak. I'm going to shift a little bit east to one more person who is from communities and schools, and that is Jill Cox, who is joining us today. So Jill, what I'd love to hear from you, or what we would all love to hear from you really is, um, are there effective practices that leaders need to begin doing and others that we need to stop doing? So Jill um, really runs the state affiliate of communities and schools over in North Carolina and has a number of affiliates there, just like Carol does in Georgia. But but Jill, tell us a little bit about North Carolina and, and what do we need to start doing more of and what do we need to stop doing, right? And what do we need to continue doing when it comes to youth leadership in our communities? Well, thanks for having me tonight, Karen. It was great to hear from Azil and Hadiza. Oh my gosh, such bright young ladies. And we need more of them everywhere and to lift up their voices everywhere. But to your point, you know, here in North Carolina, we have 18 affiliates who work across the state, but it's bigger than CIS. It's bigger than a school system. It's really a community and a statewide effort to find our youth, to really engage them in what excites them. Um, you know, you heard the girls talk about making critical connections. And one of the things that we do in our communities and schools program is we have a career association in many of the schools that we work in. And in our career association, we try and figure out, okay, what are the things you want to know more about kids? Who do you want to hear from? Who do you want to 
what career or job seems interesting, but you don't know enough about it and you want to hear more about it. And we bring those folks into them that they want to hear from, not who we think they should hear from, because not everybody wants to be an engineer or a hairdresser or a thing that I can think of in my head, but they know. And it's, it's like we're training them for the jobs that don't exist yet because our environment is changing and shifting so very quickly all the time. But if we can open the window and expose them to the things that they're excited about and really help drive their voice into the community to really affect the change in their own community, like the girls we're talking about. You know, they're working with Tim, they're going out, they're surveying their peers, they're lifting up their voices. And the kids have great energy and they have new ideas that people my age have never even thought about because they just have never been in our sphere before. But the kids have them and they're excited and energized by them and creative beyond our wildest imaginations. So if we can just kindle the fire, I think that's the best thing that we can do. The worst thing that we can do is pour water on it and not hear them um, and impose our wisdom on them. You know, we're going to, we're going to put you in the box. That's the worst thing that we can do for this generation because they are not box generation kids. They are really big thinkers. Um, they're very entrepreneurial in their spirit. Um, and my generation wasn't like that. We followed the rules. We did the things we were told to do. And so we need to not impose our box on the kids. And that's the thing that I think, you know, as adults is hardest for a lot of us is not to define for them what their success looks like, but to just allow them to dream and to put in front of them the resources and the connections that allow them to think beyond my wildest dreams and your wildest dreams and Tim's wildest dreams to find their own dream. Wow. Jill, you know, what I hear you saying is, is again, we need to get out of the way. Um, it's been really a common thread between Tim and Carol and now you. It's get out of the way um, because in a lot of ways, we apparently don't even, we don't even have the kind of dreams that they do, right? We don't even know, we don't even have the same kind of ideas that they do. So well, and it was interesting because the girls talked about failing and how teachers either did a good job of wrapping them in supports or later came alongside of them. And I think we need to embrace this concept of allowing them to fail forward because you learn from failures and it's about figuring out, OK, so that didn't work. What about that didn't work? And what would you or could you or should you have thought about that would have allowed it to work? so that they can fail forward. And the next time when they pick it up, they go, oh, okay, last time I figured out this, I'm not going to do it that way again. I got this cool new idea and I'm going to make it work. So helping them think is also what I'm hearing you say, right? Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Thank you to both of you. And I, could I add something to that real quick? Absolutely. Sorry. Please do. Yeah, I have a little anecdote. So um, I've actually had a teacher like that who wanted us to fail forward. And I had an absolute hard time with that teacher. I cried in his class, had a fit, and it was so hard because for 12 years of education or well, maybe less, let me not overestimate like that, but <laughs> for so long, I've either been wrapped up and supported and every single time I even make a mistake, it's like, nope, don't, don't do that. Make sure you don't do that. And, you know, like I've been taught to stay on this path for so long. And when I got into that class with this teacher and he was like, basically, no, fail, and I'll catch you when you're there, I freaked out. 
and I think that's like, so when we have those fast forwarding teachers that are actually making the changes that we need, we're so used to the climate and the environment that's that teachers or educators are supposed to just cushion us or support us that when we get into those classes, it freaks us out. So that's what I think that like there needs to be an urgency in getting those those educators, those adults that allow us to fall forward because then when you're like me who has been preaching for things like this for so long and I finally get it, I I essentially freaked out. So I hope that we can really get educators like that that are kindergarten teachers, preschool teachers in the daycares so that it bec- we have this new generation of kids that aren't afraid to fall forward. So, yeah, that's just what I wanted to add a little bit. Hadiza, I feel like maybe you need to have a conversation with our local school boards and, and mm-hmm. how we need to reorient our educators toward allowing children to fall forward. Advocacy. I believe, Hadiza and I still, aren't you now recently appointed to the superintendent's advisory council? Yes, we are. So we'll definitely, great. we're kind of working, um, our committee is looking at the equity between both high schools, but it's definitely be a point that we bring up next meeting. Amazing. That's awesome. Absolutely amazing. Can I, can I shift gears for a second? I'd love to hear from someone else that's in another part of the community. So we've got Apostle Everton Harris with us and um, we, he's an old friend. We heard from him, man, many, many, many um, podcasts to go. And it's good to have you back, Apostle Harris. Very good to have you back. Would love to hear from you about, you know, you started in the ministry at a very young age. So talk to us about how it is that you were encouraged and how it is that adults really helped you get to where you are now, because right now you're pastoring a church, right? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you once again for this uh, opportunity. It's great to be back here again. Um, Actually, on the 24th last month of October, I celebrated 20 years of being in ministry. Um, And so I can honestly, basically with, I believe uh, Ms. Jill said before me, is what cultivated me from those um, that taught me was teaching me their failures and not their success. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes we go wrong because we just want to look at the success, but we don't want to learn from the failures. And I never forget my grandfather said to me, he said, I'm going to show you my failures so that it won't take you five years to accomplish something. It would take you five months. And you learn better from failures than the success because the success is the beautiful picture. Failure is where it's just like you've been through so much. And then also something that my grandfather always taught me, he said, sometimes it's really not a failure. It's just not your time. There's something that you have to learn from it that you have not grasped yet, so you can't move forward. And so you can't say that it's a failure. It's just not your time to go forward as of yet. Um, I definitely agree with uh, both of the young ladies that, uh, and what I'm doing, I'm teaching the people that, that I'm trying to cultivate now, these young people now, is to learn from my failures, but also to understand the value of their voice. Um, studies does show that culture changes every 20 years. So 20 years from now, what we're used to, there's going to be another generation that understands it better than I understand it. And so we have to come to a place where we're grooming somebody to take and hand a baton over to them so that they can just take it and keep on running with it. Um, The late Dr. Miles Monroe once said something that 
I, 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 I love, and he said in his book, he said, the uh, most wealthiest place in America is the cemetery. Mm. And he said, the reason why the most wealthiest place in the cemetery is, is because there's people who have died without passing on the baton. And so he said, we have to come to a place where we don't die full, but we die empty. And if we're not pouring into somebody, there's no way that we can die empty because we're dying full. And so our job is to just pour into them, but also to hear, watch this, as we're pouring into them, allow them to pour into us. Because there's something that we may not understand that they understand. And so that's how we can bridge the gap and build a stronger bridge that we all can cross it together. Uh, thank you, Apostle Everton. Can you let us all know your church? Because you just preached a whole sermon just now <laughs> that, we could, that we could all benefit from, right? Where are you located? Yes, ma'am. We're located in uh, Name of the Church's Divine Restoration Worship Center. Um, we're located in Garner, North Carolina, uh, 904A Fifth Avenue, Garner, North Carolina. Okay, thank you. How yes, do you, you know, you mentioned your, was it your father or your grandfather? Grandfather. Uh, your grandfather. So what kind of humility, though, does it take to say, I'm going to show you my failures so that you can learn from them, right? Because it's, what, what does that take of a person? Because I'm assuming you're doing the same thing with the young people that you're bringing up as leaders in your congregation and in the community. It said it, the humility that it shows it shows I'm going to allow you to see my nakedness. Mm. I'm going to allow you to see beyond what I could put on in front of everybody else, and I'm going to disclose what I really have dealt with in the dark, because we have a lot of people that are public success but private failures. And so when you can actually show me your private failures, it really shows you know how successful and how human human you are to say, guess what? I I don't always get it right. I haven't done everything right. And so it shows a, another level of humility because basically you're allowing me to see the naked you, not the one that everybody, not the one that everybody praises, but the, the one that everybody doesn't really see at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder, and, and I'm, I'm thinking about Hadiza and Asil, you know, how does it make a young person feel when an adult is actually able to show them that, hey, I too have failed, right? And here are my failures. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that's got to be sort of, I don't know, a good feeling or, or you know, what, what is what does that feel like, Hadiza and Asil, to know that we're not, I mean, I know you already know we're not perfect, but what does it feel when we are, you know, basically naked in front of you saying, you know, here's where I've jacked up things? I feel like a lot of times um, for teenagers or kids in general, it feels like adults are like this human, I mean, perfect being and then kids are just like this big mistake and adults having that mindset that they can't show kids their failures because um they might have worked like so much harder and they want the kid to fail to work the same amount that the adult worked i feel like that's so like selfish in a way mm. because you're not giving the kid the knowledge and also the times have changed like the kid has new struggles that they have to go through, new things that they have to obtain to be able to reach more changes that your generation didn't fix. So I feel like adults giving those kids um, or giving them the knowledge of their mistakes, it will be so much more helpful. Mm -hmm. 
love it. Thank you. And I would just like to add on a little bit to that. Um, I grew up in a in a household where my mom, she she was amazing. And the way she was amazing was she always shared with me, like even silly little things that she did in high school or little mistakes that she made in here and there. She'd always voice it. She said, oh, I made this mistake. Oh, I did this when I was young. And she always sat with us and talked. And I think that that's what a lot of people are missing nowadays. And I and I feel the privilege of having grown up into that type of household is that sometimes adults feel so like from the lens of adults, maybe they just feel so pressured to keep up the household, make sure everyone's fed, doing this and doing a hundred million things in 24 hours. And they don't have the time to really sit and talk and tell the whole story of why they failed and how they got back up. Because sometimes kids see their parents failing and they can tell that they are failing, but they don't understand the moral behind everything. They don't understand what they should learn from that situation because their parents don't sit and talk to them about it. So I think that's what we're missing a lot because if a parent is sitting and making the same mistakes and they, the child is seeing that mistake, but there's no conversation about what that trauma, traumatic experience was, that experience will just continue to occur. And maybe at even graver, like, you know, times the more that the child sees it. So a, a, um, an adult may make one little mistake and then the child might make a whole explosion because that conversation is not always had. So I hope that like, even that if you, even if households or communities, we start learning to um, see the mistakes of adults, we can also just learn to um, learn from them and not repeat them, you know? It's the transparency that you're talking about, right? It's us being transparent. Um, Calvin, I feel like we, we could have a whole show where these two young ladies or these young people could actually be talking um, during a parenting show, right? <laughs> and, and teaching us how to parent. I really do. Yeah, Katie, I would love to hear, as we get close to wrap it up, I would love to hear from uh, Sid, because I know she's here and I know she's been listening in. And we also have two more things as we wrap up. Um, we want to hear from Arva. Arva is going to give us a great um, preview for what's going to happen in 2022. And then we have Afrosheen, DJ Lady Afrosheen, who's going to close us out with a nice freestyle set. But Katie, go ahead and um, wrap us up with Sid. And uh, Arva, if you're on deck, we would love to hear from you. Okay, thank you. Sid, now um, Sid is one of those people that is on the tail end of the millennials. And so we always like to ask her, okay, what do we need to be doing differently, right? And Sid is actually the person that introduced us to Apostle Everton um, also. So Sydney, talk with us some. Um, you're at D Detroit Public Schools now, but I know prior to that, you were doing work with even younger children. Talk with us a little bit about how it is that um, people that are in my generation, right? Because you experience this in your job, people in my generation are standing in the way of people in your generation and how we can do better. Um, first off, hi everyone. Um, I think it's a topic of discussion uh, more than it should be. <laughs> um, and especially amongst millennials. And I am on the latter end, I believe. Um, but I think it's important, and I wrote some things down just to, because I want to make sure that I express it in a way that everyone understands, because not even too many millennials know what we want. 
um, out of the older generation. So, and, and like I said, I think about these things all the time. Um, so first let's talk about what we want you guys to uh, continue because that's the shorter of the <laughs> of things. <laughs> um, I think it's important um, to continue to set the tone. Um, I think Everton touched on just the wisdom of it. You don't realize like how many people you look up to are like, oh my goodness, I want to be just like them. I want to run things like them. I want to dress like them. I want to speak like them. Um, so we want you guys to continue to give us that wisdom for things. Um, that's what you guys are there for. We want to come to you. We want to have meetings. We want to have conversations and emails. And we want that out of it. And in so many ways, we don't receive that. So that's why I said, let's talk about what we want you to continue. And then we'll slide right on in to what needs to, to change. <laughs> um and so, so yeah, so definitely set the tone, um, continue to build the foundation for us um, because we need that foundation to walk on. We need it. So we can walk, walk right over that foundation and start with some change. <laughs> um, and so moving on to what we want you guys to be open to, uh, just welcome us in, get to know us. Uh, you have to truly get to know someone to just like, hey, you know what? They are not that bad. Um, I've had conversations with people and they're like, whoa, when did you say you were born? I'm like, yes, I am a millennial. We are now always all crazy, right? It's just this huge misconception that everyone who is a millennial is crazy. We don't stick with anything. We're all over the place. We're such free-spirited people. And some of us are free-spirited, but we also want to have a career that we strive for and we work for. Um, as free-spirited as I may call myself, um, I still have some standards. I know what I want to do. I have those goals. I reach those goals. And the goals that I do not reach, I put them on that longer term goal. You know, so we we still have some sense, <laughs> to say the least. We have a lot of sense. Um, and so one thing that I think that you guys, and I'm saying you guys as the older generation, <laughs> um, could stop doing is stop being so judgmental. Ooh. Stop. Stop being so scared to learn from us because we have a lot of knowledge as well. Um, I found myself in so many situations and KD can definitely attest for it. I'm usually on the phone with her like, let me tell you what happened today at work. Let me tell you what happened today at work. And it's always the older generation that it's about. Um, I always come into everything saying I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn. Anything you give me, I just love to learn. Um, the same is with my career. And so I'm looking for the older generation to help me learn, but I also have tons of knowledge that I have that just wants to pour out into whoever wants to listen. Mm -hmm. um, and what more, how much more fun would it be to like talk to your mentor and like they know everything about you and they understand your thought process and they want to learn more. Um, that's a relationship and that's a bond that is like a forever connection. Like, hey, the person that I looked up to for the past 10 years or the person I work next to when I strive to be that person within the company now understands who I am. She understands my value. She understands that I'm going to bring to the table so much more than what she expects. Like that's a connection that will ever be together. And I don't think that, like I said, it's millennials that don't understand that. And I'm just now coming to realize like, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to shoot that email to your favorite person. You never know if they'll respond. But I do think that a lot of the older generation they're so stern or like, no, they're so crazy. But sometimes our crazy ways really break barriers and push us forward. And you guys have to start accepting that. Mm. Awesome. <laughs> O-M-G. 
G. Man, I, I did not know we were going to church, to community center. You know, we, we've been everywhere tonight, Katie. I want to thank you for bringing us together. Thank you to everyone. Do you want to just give some shout outs to thank you as we wrap up? Just, you know, um, I know some people have to drop because it's past nine. Um, we're going to have Arbor wrap us up. So if you guys, if your first time here, we call them first time visitors. Hang out for a few minutes. Arbor's going to wrap us up and she's going to just tell us what to expect next from Southern Soul. This is one of our education series. Um, we do a lot of things and Arbor's going to let you guys know what's coming next in 2022. So as we wrap up, Katie, and as we transition from Arbor to uh, uh, Lady Afrosheen, anything you would like to say? Thank you. Uh, uh, goodbye to anyone. Some big shout outs, right? Um, I want to thank everybody who is with my favorite organization, Communities and Schools, Jill and Carol and Tim. I'd like to thank Hadiza and Asil. Um, we were all just so thrilled to hear from you. You two ladies were absolutely phenomenal. Um, just absolutely phenomenal. And then, you know, Pastor Harris or Apostle Harris, I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you so much um, for your words of wisdom. Um, we know you guys started early and, and we can see why you started early, right? Because you're bringing us a lot. And then lastly, love to thank Sid for, you know, bringing it all home and making us really understand that millennials are not a monolith, but they are intelligent people. And sometimes we just need to get out of the way. And while we're getting out of the way, we probably should listen to them a little bit also. So thank you all. And I'll turn it over to Arva from there. Thank you for joining us at Southern Soul Livestream Talk Show. Join us weekly at soullivestream.com. If you're joining us live, we'll take a quick music break and then come back for a discussion with the audience.